What makes someone a success at, in business? Perhaps you'd start by looking at those wearing the designer suits or expensive watches or shoes or driving the expensive cars or sitting in the big corner offices. But success is more than appearance. Or maybe it's the ruthless, unemotional profit maker, the big income earner. Every decision is about the dollars. Relationships and people don't matter. But success is more than profit. Or maybe it's the ambitious, energetic competitor who will tread on and crush anyone who stands in her way to success. But success is more than position and promotion. Well, what about the dedicated, committed hard worker? Every moment is spent on the business. It succeeds, but her family is sacrificed in the process. But that's not success. If it's failure in other areas of life. Well, then there's the person who learns from all these mistakes. Uh, Perhaps she works hard, makes good money, but she keeps a good work-life balance. She takes regular holidays and spends weekends with her family. Is, Is that business success? But Jesus says that each of these people has forgotten something. They're successful by one measure, but in others they're failures. And so, rather than being wise, they're fools. Uh, Just like the person who comes to Jesus one day, verse 13, and says, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. For this guy, money matters more than family. The dollar signs have blinded him to the importance of family relationships, which is much more important. And so, Jesus corrects this wrong emphasis, his blindness and his foolishness, Uh, In verse 15, watch out, he says to everybody, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. There's more to life than things or material success. And then to prove the point, he tells a story, a story about a man who meets all of the criteria for business success. But Jesus says he's forgotten one thing and that makes him a fool, not a success. Verse 16, a farmer with a bumper crop, his preparation, his planning, his execution have all come together to produce more grain than he can store. So he puts together a new business model, verse 18. He's going to upgrade his assets, tear down the old warehouses, build bigger ones. But his planning is more than just profits. He's got a good work-life balance. Wealth was to be enjoyed, he thought. He was taking the long-term view. All his hard work was for a purpose. He wants to get the most out of life. He's going to take early retirement and then enjoy it. Verse 19, he says, I'm smart, I'll say to myself, you've got plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink and be merry. Now, isn't that the goal of many Australians today? Work hard now, build up your nest egg and then enjoy life later. He thinks he's so smart, he's got it all worked out. He's succeeded at business. 
But then in one swift, devastating judgement, verse 20, Jesus drags him down. He's not a success. He's a fool. He's only planned as far as this life. He's ignored eternity. But God says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? All his plans have come to nothing. Death, the great equaliser, has struck and left him with nothing. He, He looked like a success, but God's assessment was he was a failure. He thought life was about stuff, but success is more than just more things. He thought he was planning long term, but it wasn't long term enough. He planned for retirement, but had forgotten about death. His planning stretched only as far as grey hair, a stiff back and superannuation returns. He'd forgotten about heart attacks, death or life after death. You can't control those things with money or you can't, you can't stockpile them in sheds. You can't control them with a sound investment strategy. And Jesus says only fools think differently. And in verse 21 he concludes the story, this is how it will be for anyone who stores up riches for himself but isn't rich towards God. Only a fool builds riches on earth and ignores God. Only a fool is more concerned with a five-year plan than his eternal destiny. To be rich towards God means to put him first and then to base your life, to base your priorities and your decisions on his ways, on fearing him and knowing him and bowing to his son Jesus. That's the beginning of wisdom. That's a true measure of success, not just in business but in life. Well, that's Jesus. We're going to move on to Proverbs now. It shouldn't surprise us that Proverbs agrees. Proverbs says success in business begins with putting God first. Proverbs 3, 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. What will happen? This will bring health to your body, nourishment to your bones. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. In other words, be rich towards God. Just like Jesus said, put him first in everything. Do your work God's way. And Proverbs says, generally, things turn out well. It's not a promise, it's not a rule, just in general things turn out well. Uh, 16.3 says something similar. Commit your way to the Lord. Uh, Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Give all your work to God. God's purposes done God's way according to God's priorities. That's the way to succeed in business. It's the first step in wise work. But the trap is that the more success you get, uh, the more we're tempted to turn away from God who's brought it all. And so we need to keep a wise attitude to wealth. And Proverbs has lots to say about a wise attitude to wealth. For example, too much money can lead to pride. So Proverbs 30 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. 
Give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or else the proverb goes on, or so, so little that you'll curse God. The rich, with lots of money, think, who needs God? But that's not wise. Wisdom knows better. Wisdom knows that even if you are wealthy, doesn't mean you'll stay that way. Don't wear yourselves out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches and they're gone. They'll surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. (laughs) You can't be certain of riches. It's not wise to spend your whole life pursuing something that isn't secure. Some people go through life with the motto, whoever dies with the most toys wins. But Proverbs 28.8 gives us a different picture. He who increases his wealth by exorbitant interest amasses it for another who will be kind to the poor. And that proverb saying, whoever dies with the most toys still dies and someone will get all their toys. Instead, wisdom says there's more important things in life than wealth, than money. Things like respect and integrity. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver and gold. Righteous living is more important. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. You'll sleep easier at night knowing that you've earned your wage honestly. That's success at business. And happiness and peacefulness and doing things God's way, that's better than a life of fine food and expensive houses. 15.16 says, Better a little with fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. And here's a picture of two families. Better a meal of vegetables where there's love than a fattened car with hatred. Integrity and faith are important. And that last verse is a picture, I think. Uh, it's such a trap in Australia. How many families are there living in million dollar houses with all of the gear, a bedroom and a bathroom and a TV for every child, but God's forgotten? The kids never leave their rooms. The family can't eat together without arguing. They hang expensive curtains over huge windows so the neighbours can't see their desperate, miserable lives. That's not business success, is it? Wealth is good, but there's lots more things that are more important than wealth. And so with those attitudes in place, Proverbs goes on to give us wise business advice about how to be successful. And the most consistent theme is about not being lazy, just like your mum said, work hard. So 10.4 says, lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. And uh, in the two Bible study groups I've been in this week, we've had a laugh 
in, uh, at the expense of the sluggard. Uh, the sluggard is a funny English word for a lazy person. Uh, 26.14 says, As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. <laughs> it's a funny picture, isn't it? He's so lazy he can't even help himself. The food's right there and he can't be bothered to eat it. And he's got a million excuses about why he can't work. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside or I'll be murdered in the streets. Just can't, full of excuses. And that sort of work ethic leads to ruin and poverty. 6.9 says, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a bandit. You see, the sluggard, there's work to be done, but he'll put it off until tomorrow instead of doing it today. But 24 says that leads to poverty. A sluggard does not plough in season, so at harvest time he looks but finds nothing. He eventually gets round to ploughing, but it's too late and there's no growth. He can't reap a harvest because he's been too lazy to do it at the right time. The sluggard may think he knows best, but he can learn some lessons from the ant. So 6.6 says, uh, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Hard work, planning, preparation, self-starting initiative. They're the ways that you can get ahead and succeed in business. Hard work. Another wise quality to have in business is honesty. 11.1, the Lord hates dishonest scales, but accurate weights are his delight. Ruthlessness and greed, that might work for a little while, but integrity, integrity and truth and fairness matter in business. That's the way to build a business that will last for decades rather than months or years. Proverbs wants us to sell a product by describing it accurately and recording accurately the hours that you worked and writing honest invoices and declaring your true income and delivering the services you say you'll deliver, not hiding contract conditions in tricky legal language. And some more advice about honesty. Don't talk down the value of something that you're buying just so you can get it at a lower price. Pay a fair price. 2014 says, it's no good, it's no good, says the buyer. Then off he goes and boasts about his purchase. <laughs> Those sorts of great deals have a way of coming back to bite you, according to 2017. Food gained by fraud tastes sweet to a man but he ends up with a mouthful of gravel. <laughs> if you don't like being ripped off, then don't do it to other people, otherwise it might come back and bite you. 
You see, God loves honesty and integrity and he's got a way of evening things up. Another wise quality in business is not to be greedy. That doesn't seem to make much sense in today's business world that says greed is good. But 28.25 says, A greedy man stirs up dissension, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. Uh, Wisdom says, Be generous. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward him for what he's done. It's a great image, isn't it? God sees you being generous and he says, I'm going to fix up that debt. I will repay it to the person who's been generous. God loves to bless a generous giver. Listen to the upside down logic of these verses. One man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. But people curse the man who hoards grain, but blessing crowns him who is willing to sell. Look after people before yourself and you'll succeed. It doesn't make much business sense, but it's God's wisdom. Although it's interesting, uh, what's fascinating is that recently there's been a revolution in business and management best practice. More and more of the literature reflects just this, what the Bible's been teaching for thousands of years. Uh, For example, Tim Sanders in his book Love is the Killer App writes, the most important new trend in business is the downfall of the barracudas, sharks and piranhas, that is the business people who just want to drag everybody else down and the ascendancy of nice, smart people. They're the ones who are succeeding. It makes sense to be nice to people in business. Keith Ferrazzi agrees in his book Never Eat Alone about networking. He says networking used to be about looking out for what you could get from other people but he argues it's actually more successful to use networking to find out, find ways to make others more successful. He writes, I came to realise at business school that Harvard's hyper-competitive, individualistic students had it all wrong. Success in any field, especially in business, is about working with people, not against them. No tabulation of dollars and cents can account for one immutable fact, business is a human enterprise, driven and determined by people. Bottom line, it's better to give than to receive. Isn't that interesting? If your interactions are ruled by generosity, your rewards will follow suit. And he doesn't say God is rewarding you. He says that people notice and people return generosity with generosity. Matt Perman, in his book, What's Best Next, agrees, adding that putting others first leads to success in every area of our work life. The key motivation in effective job interviewing is showing how you can benefit your employer. The chief principle of effective customer service is to benefit your customer. In every area of work, 
Seeking the benefit of others is the guiding principle of effectiveness. Isn't that interesting? It's just what Proverbs is teaching. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And of course God is the one doing it all, but just at a human level, people recognise generosity. And God recognises it too. Well, some more advice. The greedy person can make foolish business decisions. Uh, They're dazzled by the dollars. They're blind to the risks. Uh, They fall for get-rich-quick schemes. 12.11 says, He who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgement. There's a saying in English, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, And here's a better idea, 13.11 says, Dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Good advice is to build wealth slowly and carefully. Well, they're the basic attitudes or character qualities to be successful at business. It's not something new, is it? Hard work, honesty, generosity. Proverbs goes on to give us some more specific advice about wise business work. So firstly, focus on what you're good at. That's the way to build wealth. 22.29 says, Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. This is saying, don't be a doctor just because they make lots of money. Or don't open a dry cleaner if you know nothing about dry cleaning, just because there's no dry cleaner in town. Begin with what you're good at or something you have a passion for. Try to make a business out of that. If you're good at something, you're more likely to succeed at it. There's a number of proverbs that talk about focusing on the assets or the things that actually produce your income. For example, identify what your income generating assets are and make them your priority. 24.27 says, finish your outdoor work and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. You might be more comfortable if you build your house first, but you might run out of money before it's finished. Better to get your fields sown with grain and to sleep in a tent, then you can worry about building your house because your fields will be building your wealth as you build. A wise business makes sure it spends money on the things that make them money, not flashy desks or lounges or coffee makers. Uh, Perhaps they might work from a garage while the business grows before they invest in commercial facilities. Another part of prioritising your income producing assets is to make sure you have enough to work properly. Buy the equipment you need. You have to spend money to make money. So 14.4 says, where there are no oxen, the manger is empty. But from the strength of an ox comes an abundant harvest. You may save money by not buying any oxen, You won't have to feed them, you won't have to buy them, 
but you won't produce any crops either without oxen. A modern example, our family dentist Craig has some pretty fancy equipment. It must have cost tens of thousands of dollars. He's got all the usual stuff but he's also got a microscope connected to a video camera and it's projected onto a TV on the ceiling and as you're lying back you can see your teeth in all their gory detail. But why he does it is not for our entertainment. He's got a bad back and he looks into the microscope by sitting straight upright and he doesn't uh, hurt his back. It, It costs a lot of money but if he didn't do it he wouldn't be able to work. That's wise. You have to spend money to make money. And because you won't have a business without income, it's also wise to diversify your income sources, broaden the ways you generate income. When one part isn't profitable, other parts will be. So 27.25 says, When the hay is removed and new growth appears and the grass from the hills is gathered in, The lambs will provide you with clothing and the goats with the price of a field. A wise farmer maximises what he's got by diversifying. And here's a really important one to finish with. Plan. Plan for the future. In English there's another saying, make hay while the sun shines. That means prepare for tomorrow today. Just like the ant. Four things on earth are small yet extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength yet they store up their food in the summer. That means wise businesses plan. They they forecast, strategise, stockpile, budget for repairs and maintenance in the future. They keep accurate inventories. They spend money on research and development. They have succession plans in place for key personnel. They're planning, just like the ant. This whole attitude of planning for the future is natural for the Christian because that's what our Christian life now is all about, planning for the future, living in the light of Jesus' return. 2 Peter chapter 3 talks about the day of the Lord and how this world will be stripped bare. And then in verse 11 it says, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Prepare today for the future, not just for your retirement. That's foolish to only think that far ahead. Prepare to meet God. That's the ultimate audit day. Nothing matters more than that. Are you ready for that day? Whatever your job, whether it's paid or unpaid, do it with integrity and honesty and generosity and wisdom. Fear the Lord. Aim to please him. That's the way to truly succeed in business, but more importantly to succeed in life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wisdom. It shouldn't surprise us that uh, the wisdom of the world is gradually recognising what you've been saying for so long, uh, that the way to succeed at business is to be honest and generous and hard-working. 
We pray that you would help us to be these things, not simply to make money, uh, but to do things well, to do things for your honour and glory uh, and ultimately to do it all because we want to please you and to be found in you, to be prepared for eternity, not just prepared for retirement. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.